Man, let's do this, though, before we really jump into this thing. Can we welcome everyone who's watching live on the rebroadcast and everyone listening to the podcast right now? We've got people who watch us and listen to the podcast all over, really, the world. And it's funny because Chase Fleeman, who kind of has been here from Michigan, he's actually now discipling someone overseas now because they've watched our live stream and got engrafted into this crazy family. And we are working. I want to do some public relations work real quick. We are working on getting an overflow auditorium here in the movie theater. And we're going to do acoustic worship in there. And we're going to send the message over there. And we're going to open up more seats so that we can expand it out. And uh, we just love you guys. And thank you for going on this journey with this church. Churches don't grow like this. This is crazy. Do you realize that? This is crazy. This, you can't plan for this. There's a story, I don't have time to preach it, but a house was so full in anticipation of Jesus, who is the great physician coming in to heal people, that they actually had to break the roof apart and lower their friend down into the crowd. And, you know, so it's like I know that, that sometimes we get a little uncomfortable in these auditoriums as we're filling it up, but, man, I mean, the next level is we're going to have to start lowering people down. <laughs> you know, the next level, I told the team, I said, you know, because I'm like, I don't know what the next step is. We'll all do an FM transmitter and just have 500 cars in the parking lot to the same radio station doing a worship set out there, too. Oh, you know what I mean? We got Long Island problems, but we got heaven solutions. Woo! That'll preach. Oh, I'm ready today. Um, You know, we're in part three default mode, and I want to tell you, I know a dirty secret about your family. I know your business. And even if I've never been to your house, I know that you have the same dirty secret that I have at my house. You know what it is? A junk food drawer. (laughs) God, save us, deliver us from the demon possession of a junk food drawer. Some of you ain't praying for deliverance from that, though. Does your family have a junk food drawer? Somebody said, no, cast them out, get the security. You ain't one of us then. You know, it's just this phenomenon that everywhere around the world that I go, I ask people this weird question, even through the interpreter. Ask them where their junk food drawer is, and they're like, junk food drawer, junk food drawer. I'm just kidding. And they take me to this spot where they've allocated to put all of their bad food. And, you know, it's like this phenomenon. But let me explain why this phenomenon exists. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. So you have a body, and your body is, is biologically wired for survival. And there is an instinct inside of every single one of you that, that now this is funny. Now that I tell you this, you're going to be like, whoa, I learned science at church. That's incredible. Who would have thought? You have a a biological basis that wherever you find food in that spot, if whatever comes over you as a result of eating that food was positive, you have an instinctual desire that's built in you that tells you internally, go back to that space because you'll find nourishment there again, and that good feeling you got will happen again. Isn't that crazy? You ever got that? You, you all know you have those spots, right? That guilty pleasure. You have that one, you, that one, you don't go to any McDonald's. You, you go to a certain McDonald's, right? You all know, and the people see you rolling in, and they're like, oh, yeah, I see you. 
I see you. Come on in, fam. They're telling you, welcome home. (laughs) It's like your second church, right? But here's the thing, because you're biologically wired that the very first time, this is funny, the sugar and the carbs, here's your revelation, shards. (laughs) As you take in the shards, the sugar and the carbs, all of a sudden, the shards start processing through your body, and that, that mechanism kicks in that tells you this is good. And then you'll start putting more of the sugar and carbs in that spot in your home. And, and that's how you get this perpetuated, multi generational legacy called the junk food drawer. Some of us, that's the only legacy we're gonna leave is they're dead. Go get the nutter bars. <laughs> the, what are those things called? I don't even know what they're called. Is that it? Nutter butters? <laughs> Who was on the team that named that? <laughs> But, but the thing is this, we all have these instincts for survival. So point number one, for those of you who think that I'm not about to preach to you today, is that oftentimes our default mode is a survival mode gone defective. Because see, before there was sugar and carbs and everything nice, and there were McDonald's and all that, We needed to survive as a people, and so God placed in us this biological wiring that said, if you found food and sustenance in this region, go back to it, because chances are you'll survive to see another day if you go back to that spot. But what happens is it gets hijacked, and then what used to be a survival mode is now a default mode. It's a defective survival mode. And for those of you who are like, man, I've got an eight-pack abs, okay? This this sermon's clearly not for me. We will fight you outside after load. (laughs) But you don't drink to kill yourself if you're an alcoholic. You, despite what people think, you actually drink to help save yourself. It's a survival mode gone defective. Matter of fact, I've been counseling people through infidelity for the last decade and trying to help restore marriages. And do you know that 99% of the time, and this is going to be controversial, but can I just lay this thing down right now? Can I just speak the truth today? Remember, it's okay to talk back to the preacher here. We got any rule breakers? It's okay to be loud here. Is that all right? All right. 99% of the time, somebody cheats not to destroy their marriage, but to help satiate and help themselves. And they actually say the ironic thing is I'm, I still very much love my spouse, but it was about something that I was trying to help in me. And so we've got these things that, that make us shove a whole pack of Oreos. Maybe you take the whole row at a time and put it in this hole we call your mouth. But there's this insatiable hole inside of you that still needs to be filled. And it's, it's this, this, this God-shaped thing that we've all heard about You know, have you ever tried to be perfect and failed? Am I the only one? Have you ever filled out your planner so thoroughly that in and of itself, your planner looked like a work of art? And you were like, I don't even think I can live this thing, but man, it looks good. And if I could live it, I would be successful, but at least I'm stepping in the right direction, right? Does your iPhone alarm look like my wife's where there are seven of them in a row that are all different and it's a wish list? It's not, a, it's not an alarm. I'm sorry, Jules. 
You know, I mean, it's like, have you ever budgeted every dollar, done the financial piece? You got Dave Ramsey at your house counting your money with you, and then by Thursday of the first week of the month, it's all gone? Am I the only one? Come on. You've done everything you can. Now, let me just break it down for the spiritual juggernauts here. Have you ever sat down at the cafe, done your Devo? That's what Christians say for devotional, right? Devo's like our drug. Have you, do you Devo? Do you do a Devo? Have you done your Devo today? You know, that's like the thing. Have you done your Devo? And now you've done your devotional. You've taken your strategic Instagram photo from the aerial perspective because it's God looking down on your devotional and seeing (laughs) it's actually God. This is the view of God looking at me. And then two and a half hours later, you're in the fetal positioning, position having a, a, an anxiety attack. And your devo was on God has not given you the spirit of fear. And you actually quoted the scripture. And two and a half hours later, you're like, somebody please help me. Is there anyone here now that this word might be for you today? Are you, are, you, are you glad you paid your Uber and Lyft driver to get to church today, somebody? Because I can tell you I got the answer. I've only got 15 minutes to tell you, though. I mean, here's the thing. We're trying to hear God, and we don't even know the difference between Laurel and Yanny. Where's my team Laurel at? Where's my unredeemed sinners who are team Yanny? people coming pastor I don't know what God wants for my life I can't hear his voice I'm like you can't even tell what a recording's saying if God put it in a recording you still wouldn't know what he was saying to you we need help people let's go to scripture let's go to scripture we're going to be in Matthew chapter 27 today I love my church you know as a (laughs) You know, a lot of pastors don't even like going to their own church. You know that, right? I love going to my church. You guys are amazing. I look at us and I'm like, man, this church is beautiful, full of beautiful people who are about to do a great thing for God, who are about to change New York and this region, who are about to hand a legacy down to kids and say, you never even know what Long Island used to be like because we flipped the mug before you got here. I used to rehab houses, and man, when we were done with them, you didn't know it was a roach motel before we came in there. Forget what Long Island looks like now. We're about to change it. We're about to rehab this region. People are going to step up in it. I'm I'm prophesying that people from the Bible Belt are going to start migrating to Long Island and call this the new Bible Belt. Sorry, Kenneth Copeland. It's our turn now. Sorry, T.D. Jakes. This is the potter's house. Here's your clay. Mold this. Mold this, T.D. Jakes. I'm telling you, we are a bunch of wild ones. We are V1. We will not be stopped. And we're here on a mission, and we're going to surrender to the course God's got for us. Every day, people are leaving Long Island to do ministry. Sign me up to be a missionary. Come on, I'm mad. Verse 27, verse 32 says this. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha. Say Golgotha. 
It means the place of the skull. And they were offered... Uh, they offered Jesus wine to drink, just like Pastor Julie preached about it, mixed with some gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him and his head, and they placed this, this written charge against him over his head. And it said, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They were mocking him. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on the right and left-hand side, and those who passed him insulted him. And they said, come down from this cross if you can, if you're the son of God. In the same way, the priests, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders, they also mocked him. He, and then he, they said he saved other people, but why can't he save himself? He's the king of Israel, right? Let him come down now from the cross. And, he will, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who had cruci- were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Can you just say surrender to the course? See, here's the reality. Jesus, this is the same guy that spoke into a tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And this guy came walking, looking like mummy, like the crypt keeper, came back to life. I mean, this is the guy that we talked about the pool of Bethesda, you know, a couple weeks ago to kick off this series. And he just told this man, come up and rise up with your mat. And and see, here's the thing. Jesus could have gotten off the cross. And if I read you Matthew chapter 27 and you actually felt sorry for Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus could have came up off the cross, but he surrendered to the course. See, here's the thing. If you're married, even though you got a ring on it because you heard that Beyonce song that told you to put a ring on it, even if you got a marriage certificate, just like Sean and Kayla are going to get real soon here, just because you've got all the legalities and a mortgage with both your names on it, you can come up off your cross and do whatever you want in that marriage. But it's the ones who surrender to the course that have the marriage of their dreams. You have the power to talk to whoever you want to. You can slide into anyone's DMs you want to slide into. But you got to surrender to the course and say the same vows that I told you, Julie, when I was 15 pounds lighter and had a little bit more hair. The same same vows that I said, I'm going to say them today. I'm going to say them through every season of life. And when you surrender to the course and you hang up on your proverbial cross, everyone around you will be insulting you. See, what I think is interesting about this picture that we have that's told by this this man named Matthew, who is a first-person narration, is that he was saying something, and you may miss it if you're just reading your Devo time in Starbucks. But see, everyone was insulting Jesus. The religious were insulting him. It's like coming into V1 church and you think that you're doing right and even the people who are saying no perfect people allowed are judging you for your imperfections. There are going to be some seasons in your life where no one understands you. No one's there to encourage you. But if you will surrender to the course, God's destiny for your life will be fulfilled. Jesus surrendered to the course and even God 
in his mercy, sent some people along the way. Matthew chapter 27, you have this man named Simon who was from Northern Africa. And Simon was charged with carrying that cross with him. How many of you know when you're going on your journey, God will send a Simon your way when you just feel like you can't stay married another day and you're shaken under the weight of that cross, the Simon will come along and begin to distribute his strength to you. We, we got any Simons in the house here who will help a brother or a sister carry their cross? Do we got any Simons here who don't have to be forced to help somebody carry their cross? Just when you think you can't build your business one other day and you're ready to tap out and you're feeling the weight of that cross on you, all of a sudden God will send a Simon your way. And suddenly the insults that are swirling all around your head won't be enough to stop you because you'll be certain of something. Let me tell you about my wife. I like to tell on her a little bit. She tore down. You've got to listen to the podcast message from last week, but, but that was not the apex of her spirituality. What you saw when she was singing these worship songs today, that is not the most spiritual you will see my wife. You want to know when she's on her A game? It's when she's 20,000 feet in the air and there's a little bit of turbulence hitting an American Airlines plane. My wife will start speaking in tongues and other languages and giving utterances and shaking the holy water and the oil all over the place because she is just assured in her mind that it's over. And if it's going to be over, she's going to transition from one worship experience to the next. She is scared to fly. And ironically, our church is named after flight imagery. Don't you love the way God will do you like that? I'm an introvert. Well, you're going to preach for a living. Sorry, Mike. I don't like people. Well, you're going to be surrounded by them in a movie theater every Sunday. Come on, God. Surrender to the course. Tell your neighbor, surrender. Come on, it feels so good to die together because if you'll share in the cross, you'll share in the resurrection. Come on. And my wife, who's so afraid to fly. <laughs> She's texting me from that Wi-Fi, which me, to me is like still hilarious that you can't believe in a God you can't see, but you got Wi-Fi transmitting whole movies through the thin air and you believe that's possible. That's a side note. Oh, I can't believe in God, I don't see him. Well, can you see Wi-Fi? You sure do believe in that. Just take that home and smoke it in your pipe today. <laughs> We like to pick and choose what we'll believe. And the reality from my wife's experience, and this has everything to do with Matthew chapter 27, is that the statistics actually say that there's a higher likelihood of her dying in a car accident on the way to the airport than in turbulence in the air. But it's what you choose to believe. And here's the other thing. So now we're on this Wi-Fi and she's looking up like, you know, turbulence and blah, blah, blah. And we found this story that in 1966, there was a flight that was outbound and they had routed around Mount Fuji. But see, the pilot had this idea and he said, you know, I'm going to reroute this flight. I'm going to change the course. Somebody say, well... You got to preach with me because you'll know where I'm going before I get there and it'll make you want to just go crazy and just get all fired up. That's how preaching works, you know? You can feel where I'm going. You preach with me. There's emotion to the ocean, you know? 
So the pilot had this idea, I will change the course so that we can change the view out the window because the view is getting pretty stale, but Mount Fuji is a better view. So if I change the course, I can actually get a better view. And isn't that how we do in life? We think to ourselves, this marriage thing is getting kind of boring. What if I change the view? I'll just change the course on the way home from work tonight. You know, I, I just think that, that the way things are going in business maybe are a little stale, a little boring. So I'll just divert the course for a moment and just change it up. And so what happens is our default mode is a survival mode gone defect. And this guy in 1966 diverted around this view of Mount Fuji and he wanted to go see Mount Fuji and as they got close to the mountain they hit unexpected turbulence it broke the tail completely off of the airliner and then everyone on board went down and they died and I'm here to tell you that this message I'm preaching you today is a life-saving message for somebody here. This is a life-saving message to surrender to the course. It might not look pretty at the window view right now, but in your search for Mount Fuji, I don't know what your Mount Fuji is. I don't know what they look like, but everything looks good on Instagram. But I'm telling you, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And this is a kind of church who said, I will stay the course and water the grass I'm standing on. I tell every pastor I meet on Long Island who's like, man, it's brutal out here. Do you want to you dip? Do you think about getting out? I said, no, dude, I'm actually asking you, would you do my funeral? Because I'm dying here, baby. Bury me like a seed here because I posted my flag up and I'm going all the way. And that's the very lifeblood of anything that's ever been successful is when you don't have an escape hatch, you don't have an alternate course, you don't have a plan B. That's why you cry watching viral videos of wives who stay married to people who used to be all in their right body but are paraplegics now and love them through that disability. Or should we say different ability? But there's something that, that stirs in our hearts when we see that level of commitment. So Julie still might be a little scared to fly, but she's not afraid to do what God told her to do and to say yes through the fear and surrender to the course. She said yes to me every time I failed her. She said yes to ministry when pastors stabbed us in our back. She said yes to every single season of life, knowing that there was a picture in her mind, a vision of what could be greater. And if you're asking yourself in Matthew chapter 27, what was the reason why Jesus, who could have come off the cross, didn't come off the cross? It was a vision of you being healed and whole and having the marriage of your dreams and, and succeeding and doing everything he called you to do you were on his mind and that picture that very image was burning in him and as they insulted him in a language that you don't even speak as they insulted him in the context of a culture that you've never lived in you were on his mind he was thinking about joe from long island he was thinking about mike from long island he was thinking about all, all the different ones that would say yes to him completely and he said i I'll never ask a yes for you without giving my yes first. 
Jesus gave you his yes. You're approved. You're not denied. He's fighting on your behalf even now. And when he resurrected on the third day, he didn't go into retirement. The Bible said he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you, interceding for you, saying, you're not a robot. I gave you your own will, but I promise you, if you would align your will with my will, you would see the miraculous take place. And every dream and vision that I've given you in your heart, no matter how radical it seems, I will see it come to pass in your life. Surrender to the course. Would you stand to your feet? Man, surrender to the course. I'm going to tell you something while you're leaning in and just standing on your feet. Just You feel a stirring as the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart. A revelation I want you to understand is most of the hurt that you've encountered in your life has been a result of someone who didn't surrender to the course. That teacher that failed you, that kid that bullied you in school when you were growing up, there are people who just chose, I'm not gonna surrender to the course. I'm not gonna go after what God has for me. I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna get my own gratification. And I can also tell you this, anyone who's ever impacted your life, anyone who's ever been able to bring you up out of a depression, anyone who's ever been, been able to enlighten you and bring you to the other side is someone who has first said yes and surrender to the course. Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says this, and I love this scripture so much because this is what it looks like to join in Christ in his suffering. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. See, a lot of times any religion, any church will celebrate the crucifixion. But see, that was only him modeling for us. It's your turn now. And he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Mike Signorelli who lives, but Christ who lives in me. See, you know what? Forget about the graphics. Forget about the social media presence. Forget about the huge wall of speakers and the lights and everything and the projection. I want people to say, when I come to V1 Church, sometimes the music might be too loud and we cram into that small auditorium. But there's one thing that keeps me coming back is when I look at people in the audience, yeah, I see their imperfections. Yes, I see their failures. But I see them, no longer them, but Christ in them. And I hear the stories every single week of people saying, I see Jesus in people at this church. But what you're seeing is people who laid it all down. I'm laying down my opinion. I'm laying down what I think is the best way. I'm laying down where I came from. I'm laying down my past. Last week we said, I'm laying down my old flame to take that new fire. I've been crucified with Christ no longer it's I that live, but Christ in me. Someone in this place is about to experience the resurrection of Jesus when you first experience the death, laying it all down. Would you close your eyes with me right now? As you have your eyes closed to remove all distractions, surrender is a very unpopular term in our culture. Surrender seems like it's synonymous with giving up. Surrender just seems like, how could that be the strategy? But it all depends on who you're surrendering to. And when you surrender to God, you're surrendering to this distant country 
with a government and a system of operating and resources beyond what you can see with your own eyes. And when you surrender to God, you're actually saying, I'm leaving this old country. I'm leaving my citizenship of another world. I'm leaving this place that I, of limited resources, of limited supply, and I want to now be a citizen of heaven. I want to be adopted as a son or daughter. I want to surrender to receive that adoption. That's the true essence of surrender, to lay it all down. I want you to think right now, I want you to imagine something with me while your eyes are closed. I want you to imagine yourself surrendered to the Lord. I don't know what pictures are coming into your mind right now, but I want you to imagine that you're surrendered. While your eyes are closed, I'm just going to tell you a story. Recently, I've been going to physical therapy for my lower back, and they said, man, you know, your real problem is your back is too tight. So they've been stretching my back and stretching my back. Finally, by the third or fourth session, the guy said, well, let me tell you what the real problem is. You're trying to do my job with me and you're stretching too far now. The stretches are only made for one person. And when I'm pushing on your back, I don't want you to pull either. I want you to let me do my job. And in that moment, I realized, man, my back has become a representation for so much of my life where it's a little bit of God and a little bit of me. A little bit of God pushing and a little bit of me pulling. And in that moment, I just released my whole back and I touched my toes for the first time in years because my back had been so bad. And I, st- I started to get weepy because it was just like I was able to do, by doing nothing, I was able to do something I couldn't do. Surrender. For some of you who strive so hard right now, it's going to be by doing nothing that you do the something you couldn't do before. It's the only way God can prove that he's God and you're not. That moment right there was worth your entire trip to church today. Are you picturing yourself surrendered now? Do you feel the peace that's coming over this room? See, peace is a person. That's why you haven't had peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's a person. Peace is a person. So in order to have peace, you have to invite the person into your life. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.